Coming up on the E9 Podcast, Hayden, Mike, and I break down the 2023 Ryder Cup, a preview of everything to expect at Marco Simone Golf Club in Rome, Italy, as the United States tries to break a 30-year losing streak on European soil. Mike and I have some differing opinions about this. You're going to want to hear it. The Ryder Cup preview coming your way on the E9 Podcast. All right, we're here for the last big hurrah of the 2023 golf season. One of my favorite weeks uh, that comes around every two years, uh, it's Ryder Cup week. And Ryder Cup week coming around the heels of Solheim Cup week. Um, for the first time in a long time, those two tournaments paired up right against each other due to COVID, pushing the whistling straights. Ryder Cup back a year or forward a year, back a year. I don't know how you call time that way. But Mike and Hayden, you guys are here to talk about the Ryder Cup, and we're going to do that. But I kind of wanted to use the Solheim Cup to transition to that. I, I don't think you guys probably watched the Solheim Cup. I probably saw about 50% of the coverage in most of Sunday afternoon. Um, it was an awesome event uh, held in Spain, um, beautiful uh, on the coast of Spain, um, featured some inspiring golf and some not so great golf. Uh, it wasn't the cleanest golf we've ever seen played, uh, but the storylines were awesome between Carlos Segonda securing you know, the tie in her match with, you know, everybody's All-American golfer Nelly Corda to learning about some new players. And, of course, it ends in a tie, 14-14. I have two kind of questions I want to ask you guys. First of all, as golf fans, and you are casual fans, I'm a golf nut, but you guys are kind of more on the casual fan side. You're avid golfers. You love the sport. But as far as fans of the sport on TV or professional golf, you probably skew more towards the casual side. Did you watch the Solheim Cup? Uh, and if not, why? I mean, I know there's a time disparity there. So I just want to throw that out to you. Mike, you know, you and I talked a little bit via text about this. I'm curious your thoughts on what kind of maybe didn't appeal to you or, or maybe differentiates the men's game from the women's game at this point and why the Ryder Cup is, is so much more significant. Yeah, so I think you nailed it, right? I'm a, uh, an above casual golf fan, right? I, I gravitate towards the major events, the big names. Um, I think that's a byproduct of fact that we're playing for what, coming up on five years. So, you know, I, I kind of, that's where I'm at with the game. I didn't grow up with a intimate knowledge of it. Like you probably didn't probably Hayden did. So when I hear something like the Solheim cup, I don't necessarily understand the tradition behind it. Um, and I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why I'm not necessarily drawn to watch it. Right. Is I will say this year more than any other year, I heard it marketed more. I heard more about it uh, when the U S jumped out to that four nothing lead on day one. Right. It was a big deal. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I, I didn't, find myself watching it or going out of my way to watch it. And I don't think that necessarily has anything to do with the fact it's, it's a women's tournament. It was just something that I'm very much in the Ryder cup frame of mind right now. And the Solheim cup to me was just something that it's an interesting. interest in. And, and, you know, I think it's something I want to have interest in, especially like you tell me, Josh, is it the, is it the, the female equivalent to the Ryder cup? Is that what they're going for? I, for sure it is, you know, and it's the Solheim Cup features for those listeners who don't know, it features just like the Ryder Cup, you know, the best American professional women golfers uh, through a point system and a captain's pick system against the best European professional golfers. And certainly they are trying to mirror some of the success. The Ryder. I think this year 
as you pointed out, they've done a better job marketing it. It, it lacks the energy um, that the Ryder Cup does. And, and for a number of reasons, you know, but it, it's not like, you know, a lot of people compare the NBA to the WNBA and the WNBA has its niche fans, but inherently the women's game of basketball is a different game than the men's game of basketball, not better or worse. It depends on what type of fan you are. Um, just like the European game of basketball, international basketball might be different than American basketball. Um, women's golf has a different feel to it than men's golf, but it's a lot more similar than you think. And I found myself watching the Solheim cup and, and to make a, a short answer to your question, I think you have to be really intentional about it. Like I was very intentional about making sure I watched the women's U.S. Open this year and learning Alison Corpus' story and, and really getting invested in that. And once I did that, you, it, I think what you're really getting at, Mike, is it's hard to get invested in these tournaments if you don't know the players. You're not invested in them. And that's where I think the LPGA has really failed here. You know, yes, there's Nellie Corda and yes, there's Lexi Thompson. And maybe the more than casual fan might know someone like Danielle Kang. But I guarantee you guys don't know who Cheyenne Knight is. You know, you don't know who um, uh, uh, Andrea Lee is. And I got a chance to learn those players during the Solheim Cup. Um, and then you, you the, even the European players, you know, Lynn Grant blew my socks off with her game and Carlota Saganda, you know, in her home country doing what she did. But they just, for whatever reason, through social media, whatever it might be, these other players much, you know, in, in men's professional golf, everybody knows Ricky Fowler. Then we know Tony Finau. We, we know some of the mid tier, like good players, but once you get past the first three or four here uh, on the women's game, you don't get to see or hear much about the other players. And I think that really does, you know, detract from our interest in the game. Hey, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that I, I agree with what you're saying. For me, it's hard to buy in because I it feels like I'm jumping into something completely new. Whereas, right, if I flip on a PGA Tour event, there's names I know, there's courses I know. It's a, a similar style of play that I know, um, right? When when I'm watching, typically when a women's event comes on, it's also sometimes, from what I've seen, a very different course than I would typically play even, right? Or just yeah. a di completely different style of golf. And for me, the, the reasons that I've tuned in to watch women's golf in the past has been a connection, right? Maybe I knew Rachel Heck from playing um, in Tennessee. So I'm like, man, I want to see what she's doing in the USAM. So I'm going to follow that, right? So it's some kind of buy-in. I just cannot for the life of me understand why the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour have not worked together. I know we've talked about these kind of events, but this is the way to win over someone like me, right? I, I have no buy-in to the LPGA, but if I was able to see these these women play with PGA professionals, and then I would start to maybe get a little momentum of, oh, I know this person. I would love to check in and see how they're doing. Um, or, oh, this person played with Max Homa this year, and now she's, you know, in contention at a major. Maybe I'll tune in to see if she's going to win, you know, stuff like that. And I'd I can't for the life of me understand why this is such a big myth. I completely agree. And I think the players would like that. You know, I, I do think there might be a few um, on either side that may feel that that detracts from their product, but man, I'd be interested in watching that. I would be interested in seeing a team event. Um, a lot of golf talking heads this last couple of weeks have talked about having the Ryder cup and the Solheim cup on the same course at the same time. There's plenty of room for them, more mm. golf for people to watch, give the women some exposure. Now, there's a number, there's a zillion reasons they can't do it. But, um, it, man, why not explore that idea and see if you can't make something like that work? Because I did find myself really, really, I mean, I was completely invested in the Solheim Cup. I was completely invested in Lexi Thompson at least winning her match to tie that Solheim Cup. You know, and she's been getting 
blasted for some deficiencies in her game. And so it was nice to see her perform under pressure. Like I, I bought into all the storylines. Um, I think the broadcast for many reasons is subpar. I think, you know, in particular Solheim cup, but a lot of times women's broadcast, unless it's a major are subpar. Um, I didn't find the announcers to be very, you know, exciting. Um, you know, I love Judy Rankin, but I just feel like, you know, she's not the most energetic, you know, uh, analyst out there. So I find just the ancillary components to men's golf to be much more appealing than that for women's golf, but the product itself, the, that I've invested in this year that I've watched the, the women's open, the U S open several regular events. I've really, really loved it, you know, and, and Roseang has brought so much um, excitement to the sport, you know, with her emergence, uh, you know, the last few years through amateur golf and now, you know, winning her very first LPGA event. I feel like there's, there's place where they can gain traction, but like you said, Hey, they're just not doing it. So I do want to say, oh, it's completely like in the men's game, do you feel like, influencers when i say it's like social media influencers these like no laying up foreplay have done wonders for the the game right do you agree yeah i agree and i think no laying up does have a very in particular vested interest in women's golf i think they've done a well really that's where job. i'm going though is is you look at now the influencers from the female perspective and it's a very different it's a very different tone, right? It's, it's yeah. hypersexualized. It's page sporanic. It's girls, you know, golfing in next to nothing in terms of clothing. And it's like, they're almost doing themselves a disservice by trying to hype up women's golf in this super, you know, erotic way. And then, you know, the casual fan tunes in and it's different. It's, it's, it's a business. It's a job for these individuals. And it's very different than what the, the reality is different maybe than the expectation. And yeah. I, I almost think that social media, this whole influencer you know, era has done more harm for women's golf than it's done good, especially when you compare it to what it's done for men's golf, which I think has been, you know, put it through the roof. Yeah, I agree. I think the way it's been marketed um, either by the tour or by those, um, you know, in the golf world has not been great. But what I don't understand is to Hayden's point is why they haven't mirrored the model that has been successful for the bigger, you know, tennis tournaments, you know, where you have, Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, you have the women there at the same time as the men and they're on the main court and you have equal pay in many cases in those tournaments. Um, I think that's really exciting. Uh, and obviously, I find women's tennis to be much more fascinating than men's tennis. The, the Williams sisters in particular have really broadened the spectrum of, of participants in the sport and um, created casual fans to really rabid fans out of people like me. Um, you know, watching Coco Goff win the U S open this year was a far bigger story to me than watching Djokovic continue to do what he does, you know, even though he's maybe the best of all time, I just don't know why we're not learning from those things. And, and I think Mike, it has a lot to do with what you said. We're not, the spotlight's not shining the right way on that sport. Um, in a way, right, it should. I, I remember, when, Cup, I remember when I was, when I was not a golf fan, but Michelle, Wee was in her prime. Like I knew who Michelle, Wee was That's and whether right. that was a byproduct of she was on sports center or Nike was hyping her up through the roof. You know, she was featured in, you know, a split screen of her and tiger, right? Like she was yeah. that level of golfer. And so I did take note when she was, I didn't know anything about it back then, but if she was in a major, I'd be like, Oh, what's Michelle, Wee doing? I'd peek on that. Well, here's, and, and here's where the, and she played in men's tournaments, right? Like That's that right. That's what I was going to say. That was a big deal. You know, um, Michelle Wee and Annika Sorenstam both played in men's events. And I think that brought new eyes to it. And, um, you know, it may have felt a little gimmicky, gimmicky, but, you know, Wee was, came within two strokes of making the cut. You know, it's like, 
but they haven't done that since Mike Nike hasn't picked up a female golfer, you know, like as great as Nelly Corda is for some reason, she's, you know, not hitting the mainstream. Like I think a lot of people think Roseang might be that one. Um, and of course the, the incredible talent in South Korea um, isn't just very marketable to the casual American fan. It's they're rabid for golf uh, in Asia. And, and these are genuine superstars. You know, Hideki Matsuyama is still one of the biggest sporting stars in all of Asia. Um, and he hasn't had a, real good run here in last year. So we could spend a lot of time on this, but I do think it's interesting as we contrast now into what's going to be a fairly hyped up Ryder cup um, to see where maybe the women's game can do better. And I do want to ask you this, the idea of ending in a tie, the 14, 14 tie, which is kind of this tradition of these international events is a little bit frustrating to me. Uh, do you think it's worth exploring the idea of a playoff or some sort of defining moment that can win or lose a, a cup instead of playing for a tie and then whoever's holding the cup gets to keep it. Cause I just don't want to see a tie this week. Absolutely. There should never, I hate ties across all sports, right? Let alone something like golf where you have a very easy opportunity to decide who a winner could be, right? If it's all square at the end, was it 14, 14 or what was the score? 14, 14. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So the, the Ryder cup. Yep. So how easy would it have been to just say, okay, we're going to go to like a shootout or we're going to go to a, you know, Pick your best player. Anything. There's a you know we have the same thing at, at our home course, Josh. It's like I always say, if there's a tie within a flight, the first thing should not be a scorecard playoff. It should be everyone walks their ass out to ten, and you yeah. either closest to the pin or play it out. If there's plenty of time, there's plenty of daylight. It's like let this let the 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 result be determined on the field. Yeah. I, I think it just it has to be explored, and you know there's only been one tie in the Ryder Cup in the last you know, 20 events. So it's not like it's, it's a frequent occurrence. And I think this is the first Solheim cup tie, but it just feels like, man, as you're coming down to the end of Sunday and these singles matches to know it could finish in a tie feels a little bit, you know, anticlimactic. And that's how I felt about the Solheim cup, such mm -hmm. compelling. It wasn't great golf. I mean, there's a bunch of missed three footers and, you know, a couple of holes that were really tough with women. Um, but it was very compelling, you know, and yeah. watching the nerves and, and then just to feel like, eh, eh, eh. We're, we're tied up and everybody gives each other hugs and goes on. It doesn't feel like it creates the rivalry that you want between, you don't want players in rivalry. You know, the Azinger Ballastero days were fun, but you can't have that all the time. That said, it's fun to have, you know, a little bit of, you know, the winner gets to gloat a little bit at the end of the event. Yeah, it, it feels almost like a uh, a rule that is antiquated, almost like the U.S. Open's 18-hole playoff thing of looking back and we're like, well, maybe this isn't actually as practical as we thought. Um, <laughs> to have every single person volunteer come out for one more day. And, <laughs> um, but like that sort of thing of, I mean, it seems like it's a pretty easy fix to just say, actually, no, we we don't want this to end in a tie and we're going to do whether it's a, a four ball kind of playoff or whether it's right. uh, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but I think an alternate shot playoff would be great. Don't I mean, that be yeah. great. They, they play one whole alternate shot and then they say, keep like, man, talk about the pressure on that. I think that'd be fantastic. Anyway, we could probably talk about this more, but uh, it is going to be fun to contrast the Solheim cup for me as, as kind of a, more of a rabid fan um, versus the Ryder cup, uh, both, you know, different time zones. We're going to be seven hours different from the, the Ryder cup. Um, I'll be up early watching every day, but they, a lot of casual fans won't. I feel like a lot of people will miss some of this. Uh, the last Ryder cup in Europe um, uh, was in Paris and uh, the United States uh, 
got beat pretty handily because of the setup of the golf course and, and the European team uh, kind of knowing how that course is going to play much tighter and tougher uh, for the bomb, you know, the long hitting Americans. So I just, I'm very interested in seeing how this happens this year. Let me ask you guys about the Ryder cup. I get fired up for it. I love it. I read about it. Uh, I, I'm going to get up and watch it. Where does it rank for you all? I mean, for me, it's right behind the Masters. I think the Masters will always be one for me. Where does it rank in your hierarchy of events? Um, and I know at the end of the season, it feels like oh, just, just one more big week. But where, is it, where do you guys put it? I mean, nowhere close to the FedEx Cup playoffs. That's like the top of the chart. <laughs> sure. Me. And it's just... I mean, it's, you're right. I meant to say, for me, it's Masters, FedEx, St. Jude, and then <laughs> Ryder Cup. No, I, I mean – for me, Ryder Cup is is awesome. I I love the energy, the excitement. So it's is up there with the Masters for me, as far as yep. one of my favorite sporting events. I agree. It's number two. And, you know, and, and it's it's a team event, and I think you know, for a lot of people, we can all relate to to team events, whether it's in golf. You know, when you're playing, uh, you know, with your buddies in a, in a four ball. Um, you know, if you've played high school golf or college golf, you know, uh, hey, you coach a high school golf team. And it's it's fun having a group that is working together for a common goal. And we don't see professionals in this sport do that very often. And so it's kind of fun to see the personalities. I, I do want to point out that um, Europe has been much better at team golf, uh, both in the Solheim Cup and in the Ryder Cup, especially <laughs> over the last, you know, last 30 years. Um, you don't it say. May speak, yeah, shocking, huh? It, it may speak to the way that, maybe Europe views team everything, you know, and we're so much more individualized here in the United States, even in our team sports, you know, we focus on individual skills and individual personalities. Whereas you, know, you saw the USA basketball team, a team of NBA all-stars couldn't even earn a medal um, against some of what you might consider inferior European teams. So I do think the U S struggles in these things. And I want to talk about that really quickly. Um, well, actually, before I do that, I want to ask you this, because I think part of the other problem is the United States doesn't do a great job at selecting their team. And I was very vocal. Um, and Mike, you and I in particular talked about this. That I don't think we're bringing our best team to Europe. I think we're bringing a team of guys that like to play golf together, that, it, like a buddy trip. Uh, and I'm not saying that Ricky Fowler or Sam Burns shouldn't be on this team. However, there are guys with better resumes this year than Ricky Fowler and Sam Burns who are not on this team. And it seems like they're there if not for their skills, which are considerable, more because they are buddies with other guys who are qualifiers and they make for good, quote unquote, they make for good pairings in the four ball or foursomes. Do you guys feel, you know, I, I'm really, I don't think Justin Thomas deserves to be on this team. I think Keegan Bradley did. I think that's a, a miscarriage of justice. And Keegan all but said he's not a part of the, 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 the frat house, you know, um, and so he didn't get the pick. Do you guys think we got the right team, the United States? Uh, uh, I'm, well, right, there's the team house, the, the, the clubhouse chemistry, right, that they keep talking about. Well, JT's got the chemistry, and would Keegan Bradley not? You no, know, he probably wouldn't. But to me, like measuring that intangible of JT being there, it's like, well, you grow up, Jordan. Like maybe it's time for you to have a new partner, all right? Um, so – and again, I think there was a lot of behind the scenes Tiger influence there, right? Like he's that's JT's guy, and right. I don't know, like I don't think like like, and I'm looking at too, like I'm not necessarily thrilled about Brian Harmon being there, but like he has to be there, so he's got to be there, you know. You know and, and he and Wyndham were were automatic qualifiers, so you're kind of looking at well, 
you probably would have Keegan, but Keegan's a heck of a match play player. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Right. You're trying to replace like, like dynamic, somewhat dynamic personalities and, and Bryson. And he just went on record and saying, I didn't even get a call, which would have been nice. Um, You got DJ who's not there. Right. So you're trying to fill some gaps. And I'm wondering if Zach was like, there's so much change taking place. Do I need to have some stability to have a chance as we go into this thing? And is JT that catalyst? I don't know. Maybe. Well, I, to the, to the Bryson point, you know, I don't think he should be on the team, but he certainly feels like he's playing better golf than JT. He just won another event. Of course that was after the selection process, but you know, he's been playing pretty well. And, you know, if you remember whistling straights, like he was a tone setter when he drove the first green at whistling straights and like, He's a guy that can can change the game with his length. You know, he's a great um, four ball partner. I'm not saying Bryson should be on the team, but the fact he didn't get a phone call, you know, as it, it's been revealed, is really strange to me. Um, me I am glad we selected Brooks. You know, Brooks was a big one, and I know we all agreed he should be on the team, but there was some genuine concern that they wouldn't select Brooks just for political reasons. Uh, let me let me ask you this, Hayden. Fire away. What, what is if you're Justin Thomas right now? Do you feel like you have to go out there and prove something or you kind of just want to sink into the background and not be talked about, not screw up anything and hope that no one notices that you're there? Are we going to go ahead and do the over under on how many matches Justin Thomas plays in? (laughs) Great question. Really good question. Like there, there's a chance that he shows up and plays in a couple matches and then is like, uh, yeah, we, we, we can't play him anymore. Yeah, like I, if, no, you're, I, if you're JT walking around the hotel right now, are you like, yeah, you know, I, I know guys, no, no, not ideal situation here. Or are you so cocky and confident that you're like, yeah, hell yeah, I deserve to be here. I should be here. Oh, he for sure thinks that he should be there. Um, I think like you to that point, like I don't, you know, they, these guys live such also, right. Probably just like their own life out there, right. They're in their own world. Like, you know, if he wants to turn off stuff, like, He's not going to hear it, all the stuff that we're saying now. I'm sure he tunes into to E9, but other than us, like I don't know if he's hearing what the outside world is saying, and maybe he's thinking it. But I imagine he has a good team around him to kind of insulate himself. But I mean, like he's he is like as much as I don't love Justin Thomas. Uh, no surprise here after my my rant on his his show he put on when he didn't didn't make it through the FedEx Cup playoffs. <laughs> That little, little song and dance he did for us. Um, but at the same time, right, he is one of the best golfers in the world, right? And those guys have that confidence, right? But to know that, like, this could be my week, right? Like that, you know, uh, I think, Josh, you you always talk about that Max Homa quote of, man, I'm only, I'm only one good swing thought away from, from getting back in it. Um, and so, like, I imagine that JT is also like that. I'm like, hey, man, I'm a two-time – is it two-time major champion? The, yeah, for, for JT, like, I'm I'm just one one good swing thought away from Ugh. being right back in it. God, he's going to be so insufferable though if he hits like a a huge putt or chips out or something to win a match. He's going to do oh, going to be Look, as as a fan yeah. of the United States. I hope he proves me wrong. I really do. Because if he plays well, it's it – Josh, you're well not a fan of the U.S. All you've been talking about is I'm, hyping up Europe. You just love we're, Europe. We're going to get to the – we're going to get to this, Mike. I promise it's coming your well, way. Well, I, want, a, I don't want to – I don't want to put the buggy in front of the horse, oh sir. Gosh. As a fan <laughs> of Team Europe, then I'll speak and say that I can't wait for Justin Thomas. There's going to be a great picture of him looking for his ball in like this tall – real tall grass somewhere, and he's not going to know where it is and – 
He's going to be looking around. There's going to be, it's going to be a great picture of him just searching for his golf ball. And meanwhile, and so I wanna... Johnson's going to be there shaking his head, kind of like, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Zach Johnson's captaincy is off to a, a rollicking start. Uh, you know, with some of the, I think Mike, we hit on last time, he's not the biggest personality in the room, you know, and I think there's a real chance, you, you know, that, that guys, I don't think they're going to tune him out because I don't think they, they care in that way about the coaching, but I do think like he's going to catch a lot of flack if this team doesn't perform well, you know, as, as much flack as Tom flack. Watson he's got, you know, he's you know Tom nerd, Watson like, in 2014 ooh. basically got canceled by Phil Mickelson publicly, you know, like losing Ryder cup captains, Jim Furyk in, at, uh, in 2018 got crushed when we lost in Paris, you know, you lose a Ryder cup these days as a captain and like, it can really affect your legacy. Um, and the first thing, that these players do, and again, I'm picking on American players in particular, is they start making excuses. You know, Patrick Reed and Paris. I just can't believe they didn't pair me with Justin or, uh, or Jordan. And, you know, they start immediately putting up their, their PR, you know, you know, distractions to, to remove the focus from their poor play. And I just think this could go bad for Zach Johnson if what happens, if what I think happened is going to happen happens, you know, which is a pretty thorough beating at the hands of the Europeans. Um, well, in the U.S., these stupid pictures too of these, like when he has his earpiece in and a golf cart, like it's oh like he's a special this forces. Is, this is the most important Zach Johnson has ever oh. been and ever will be, and it's going to be pretty rough to watch. So just like this man that has way too much power. Um, granted, I don't think he has any power at all. Like I'm sure that he is just a puppet. But I mean, even his ca- his captaincy team is not very inspiring. As I'm looking at this, whoa, I'm whoa, like... Steve Steve Stricker. Hey, Steve Stricker authored the single best American Ryder Cup performance in the last 20 years. Oh, I, the, 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 maybe he's ever, the least of my concerns. 19, they scored 19 points. That's a it's a the best it's ever been in the history of the Stric- Ryder Cup. Stricker is the least of my. He he's the best. He's the most capable person on there. But then I look beyond that, and it's like Freddie. I love Freddie. And then pretty much everyone else, I'm like, what have you done for the U.S. Ryder Cup? Is over under, what are the odds that the Tiger shows up? Zero. I don't think he's getting on a plane. I think you're right, Mike. I think he's behind the scenes making phone calls. I don't think he's going to be there. Do you hate him? I mean, I would love it. I mean, I I think that's the only chance the U.S. has of winning is if Tiger is there. If Tiger's there. I agree. I kind of agree, Hayden. I think if Tiger mysteriously shows up, and like all of a sudden, it's like Superman has entered the building, even just to get his karmic energy on oh, it. That yeah. might be what turns the tide. I'm all in. Tiger What's he going to do? Please. Oh. Is he going to hand get out there. quaaludes and then get behind the, the, the <laughs> okay, wheel and all drive? Right, let's, okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> all right, quite question for you guys. Tell me what Tom Kite, Corey Pavin, Ray Floyd, and Lanny Watkins have in common. American. Come on. That's correct. They're all Americans, but let's be more specific to this uh, I, event. I don't, I don't know who half of those people are, Josh. That's correct. Tom Kite, uh, who at one point was the leading money winner in the history of the PGA Tour until money became ridiculous, who won a, uh, um, the, the 1990 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. Uh, Corey Pavin, little Corey Pavin, who's a, a major champion himself at Shinnecock Hills. Ray Floyd and Lenny Watkins, two legends of the game. What do they have in common, those four players? And never won a Ryder Cup. I don't know. Uh, in fact, they did. Uh, Coach oh. Copeland. They oh, won. Man. They won the last Ryder Cup that had been won on European soil. Oh, you want to know amazing. what year that was? What year? Na- 
1993. 30 years ago is the last time the United States has won a Ryder Cup. In, think about that, in Europe. That's bizarre. Ray Floyd is 81 years old now. Like, we don't win Ryder Cups in Europe. We barely oh, win yeah. them here in America. In the, last, so Mike, in the, in the last uh, 18 Ryder Cups, the U.S. has only won six of them. There's, the U.S. is 6-11-1. To put it a different way, Europe is 11-6-1, including dusting us when we get to their home, home turf. And I do think the Ryder Cup is one of those places where home field really does matter. Um, the European fans in the Solheim Cup were really behind the women. I feel like it's going to be the same thing for the men. They get so fired up for it. Um, even though it's in Italy and there's no Italian golfer on the team, although Hayden, you're going to love this. Both Malnari brothers, assistant captains. So, for the so are we team. sure that? So for for those of you that aren't familiar, there we we thought for sure that uh, Chesco had either eaten or locked up his brother for the past you know six years. <laughs> yes, Eduardo so is going to make an are, appearance. They're they're both alive and well, Eduardo. But apparently. Uh, but they, their, their pictures on the Ryder Cup profile page look exactly alike. So you might be right. They actually might yeah. be the same guy uh, right uh, now. We'll take a closer look at that this week to make sure that they're both there. If we, if we never see them in the same shot, then, <laughs> then I'm going to have some questions. It's Mario and Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> so it just feels like we don't have answers. We're much better at home with the American fans. Get us pumped up. But we don't like not sleeping in our own beds. We don't like fans that boo us. And you know, I think the Europeans are much tougher skinned than, uh, than our thin-skinned Americans. And I don't think we're bringing a great team. You know, I don't think the Europeans, you know, two, two years ago, they had no chance at Whistling Straits. Their team wasn't very strong. Um, but I don't think the Europeans have suffered the roster turnover in a negative way like the Americans have. So, Mike, I know for I'm, I'm rooting for America too, but I just don't think they'll win, but I know you are. You're, I want to give you a couple cases. I want to give you a couple cases for, for the United European States. Union guy. All right. Look, I love the red, white, and blue, and I want them to win and I will cheer for them. However, so, I did put a, more than a small dab on plus plus one twenty for the Europeans to win. Cause I think that's should, easy money. I mean, is it, should we even be allowing the English to be a part of Europe Strider cup team? Shouldn't they be on their own team now? Right, they, team they don't England? want to be a part of uh, that's Team right. Euro. <laughs> that's right. Brexit has spilled over to the Ryder Cup. It, it's now just you know they're playing for the world in the in the Presidents Cup. So in uh, at Whistling Straits in the the dominating United States nineteen uh, to nine victory, there were five players on that team who are not on this year's team. Do you guys know who they are? Can you can you think of them? Probably you can probably get a couple of them pretty quick. What five the players? USA? For Team USA at, at Whistling Straits will not um, be on this team. It? Bryson, Harris, yep. English. Yep. DJ. Yep. Was P. Reed on that one? No, he wasn't. And, and that's another thing. You know, he was upset he didn't get the call for that one. Um, but Tony Finau oh, yeah, Tony. and Daniel yep. Berger. Now, Daniel Berger's fallen off the face of the earth. Well, those other four players are good golfers. DJ and Bryson obviously have kind of disappeared into the, the live milieu and, and didn't. Certainly, DJ didn't get any attention. Uh, his play hasn't been great, but Bryson didn't. But those players were 11-5-1 and one at Wilson Straits, and we're, we're replacing them with these five players, who are – four of them are rookies. Max Homa, Brian Harmon, Wyndham Clark, and Sam Burns. And then Ricky Fowler back for his fifth Ryder Cup, um, but his first, I think, in three – or the last two Ryder Cups. That's a significant drop-off. I like Max. I think he played great in the President's Cup last year. You know, I think Brian's going to be pretty good – 
I don't trust Wyndham. I know Sam Burns won, you know, the, um, the, the match play championship on the PGA tour this year, but I just don't feel great. I feel like Sam Burns is there to, to be Scotty Scheffler's friend. I feel like Ricky's there as part of the, the, the good old boys club. I don't feel great about the replacement parts on this team. And that's one reason that I'm a little bit concerned. Should I be concerned? Uh, uh, well, yes. Um, you should be very concerned. I just, I, I, you know, there are some reasons to be hopeful. I think there, there's a lot of excitement uh, for some of these young American guys, but I just, I don't know, right? For me, it still just seems like the U.S. goes out there and their main goal is to have a good time and to have a great team bonding experience and to like have a lot of fun and they enjoy team golf. But it's like the Europeans are out there to literally rip their faces off. And it just that that's where it just doesn't quite feel like the same. I agree. Uh, mm. Make your case for him, Mike. It's you, you, I think you. I think there's a good chance the U.S. can win. Make the case for, in particular, these five new players. You know, All the right. value so add. so I view Wyndham Clark is a value add to the team, and that is a significant turnaround from when we first started talking about Wyndham Clark on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Go Wyndham! Um, but I think I sent you guys that that kind of quote he said, where he's kind of already, uh, you know, I'm, I think I'm as good as Rory right now in terms of my yeah. game. And I, who's to disagree? He's playing pretty well, right? He backed it up after winning uh, what the, the U.S. with um, he had a pretty good finish here in the FedEx Cup, didn't he? Yeah, he had a decent FedEx Cup, and and he's a really talented player. His driver is a little suspect. Um, yeah, I love it though. Like I could see him getting out there. He's big, tall, like just letting it rip. And like he's a guy, I think that's fired up. I think he's going to get in that locker room. He's going to like gravitate to a, to a guy like Brooks Kepka, right? Who's going to yeah. be like, you know, yeah, I'm here to have a good time, but I'm also not here to get embarrassed. Um, and I, yeah, would I think I think he's a firepower firewall. guy. I think Kepka is going to be electric. I, I think he's going to be. I think his press conferences are going to be good. I think if they get down big, he's not going to hold back. I think he's going to go out there and bomb it. Like he's been waiting for this. Um, I think he's he's there to make a statement too that you know I'm still the best player in the world. I, I am so excited to watch him play. I hope Zach Johnson puts him in every match. I hope he at least gets four matches. I'm worried that he's going to get the you know, you know the stepchild treatment. I don't think he will because I do think I'm with you. He is the most exciting player on the U.S. team, um, and, and the U.S. team does not have a bunch of exciting players. I mean, he's he's yeah. the guy. And I would love to see him and Wyndham on a team. I think that's a natural pairing. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're probably right on that. That would be exciting. You're right. Wyndham's the only guy who is willing to kind of stir the pot a little bit. And kind of that's nice to have. It feels like there's a little bit of fight in him. So I'm going to give you Wyndham. And, you know, he brings an added element of power, which, you know, this is not an overpowering U.S. team. You know, Scotty uh, and Brooks and Wyndham. you know, Max is a really solid ball striker, but you know, well, I look at Max, numbers, right? Like Max, like like Max is almost like a swap out for Tony, right? They're kind of the same. Sure, like Max is obviously playing better golf, but personality wise, like ho hum, I'm just out here to chill and have a good time, and you know, I want to win, but if I don't, like that's cool because I still got like you know my friends and stuff like that. Like they're kind of cut from the same cloth in terms of how they approach the game. I assume I don't know them personally. But I could also see Max Homa, like some Italian guy, just breathing down his neck and Homa just not liking it, being very uncomfortable in that situation. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think the Americans do struggle. Yeah, I think I think outside of Spieth and Kepka, I think the rest of these guys are going to struggle with 
you know, some of the, if, if things start going bad and the European fans get a little bit unruly, I do think they'll struggle. I think the Europeans, I think they, they embrace the negativity. I think Americans shy away from it. I think they struggle with it. Um, I don't think we have a big firepower team. I do think the Europeans do, Rory and Hovland and Rom. And I want to talk very quickly about Ludwig Aberg, the, um, you know, the wonderkind uh, from Sweden who is uh, making his Ryder Cup debut before he's even been in a major championship. Um, you know, here's a guy who is probably the best driver of the golf ball on the planet. Um, he's maybe the next big thing to come out of Europe golf-wise. He got selected over Adrian Moronk, uh, the, the Polish golfer who actually won the Italian Open at uh, Marco Simone golf course uh, this year. So clearly that's a controversial pick, but someone, again, who gives the European team an incredible amount of potential and firepower. And, and that's one of the reasons, you know, we get down to picking this thing and, and where our money is going to go. I feel the Europeans have a huge advantage just in the quality of their golf and their ability to both play a control game, but also a power game. I think they can match, you know, for the first time maybe ever in the Ryder Cup, they can match the power numbers of the United States or maybe maybe exceed them. And I think this course, this course is going to reward guys who can bomb it. It's not a long golf course. It's funny. I was looking at the odds today some of the prop bets. You know, the, the top point score is an interesting kind of thing to look at. Who do you think's first in terms of odds of scoring those points? Rory players. players. Rory Scheffler. So it was Rory not first? No, it's Scheffler at eight to one, then Rom Hovlin, Rory at nine to one, Cantwell at <laughs> twelve to one. Who do you think brings up the rear? Who? Like Brian, Brian Harmon, sixty-five to one. Really? Yep. To be the to be the high point man. Yep. That's interesting. That's right. I mean, there's there's a world where he like, you know, like I I don't know. Those are interesting bets because like sometimes there's someone who does well, and you're like, man, I just never thought that they would do that well in match play, and all of a sudden they're they're kind of killing it. Whereas then the people that you know should be really good all of a sudden are like, you know, crap in the bed and and yeah, and not playing well. So you, you hit like the Scotty Scheffler thing on the head, right? Like he was a pretty controversial selection for the last Ryder Cup and he had a great Ryder Cup. No one would have thought he was going to be, I don't know if he led the team in points or the, the cup in points, but um, there is always some guy who kind of, you wouldn't expect who kind of goes on a hot run. Um, the question is, is it going to be a European player or an American player? I do think if the Europeans win the Ryder Cup, I think Rory's going to lead the charge. Um, if the Americans oh. win the Ryder Cup, I think Brooks going to lead the charge. I just, I don't see Scotty Scheffler, I don't see Scotty Scheffler with especially the quality of his putting, which is what this tournament is really about. And Fazio greens, they are really, really difficult. They're ridiculous. And I just think it's going to be a tough, tough tournament for Scotty Scheffler. Um, if he's not putting well, I just don't see him. I see him competing like crazy. I think he's an incredibly competitive player. I just don't see him, you know, winning a bunch of matches. I can see him partnering with a, a good partner, especially an alternate shot where they do, you know, maybe win a point or a point and a half. But it, I'm hard pressed to think Scotty Scheffler is going to walk away with you know more than two and a half points in this Ryder Cup. I could be. I hope I'm wrong. Um, I, I just think I feel like the firepower and the the British or the British side, the European side, um, you're more likely to see a guy like Rory or Rom, you know. And Rom hasn't been playing great, but I feel like those guys are going to be so energized for this thing that it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them go, you know, 
four and zero, or four zero and one, or even you know five and zero. I don't know. I'm looking at this roster, and I'm feeling more and more confident about Team USA. Wow. I just wow, like really? Matt, Matt, like Matt Fitzpatrick? Like what's he done? He's like he won a he won the RBC Heritage as as Hayden will tell you. It's oh, yeah, yeah. Major. Come on, let's let's just it's back a, off a little bit. That's that is that's maybe, a big tournament. It says Green. Matt Fitzpatrick. Maybe isn't that supposed to be his brother? Isn't his brother the better golfer now? Out of the he two? might be now. Alex Alex might actually be the better player. That's <laughs> yeah, didn't Alex beat title. him in that last tournament? So yeah, he did. Like, like uh, took the title. <laughs> yeah, he I think he did. Down, I think he said, "Get down in the basement with Eduardo." <laughs> <laughs> He's got the belt. He's got the Fitzpatrick belt with Eduardo. <laughs> Tough. Yeah. Like, like I, I think Fitzpatrick's playing great. He had a good FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, Fleetwood's been one of Fleetwood has been one of the best, most consistent players in the world. Hovland is the world beater right now. He's probably the best player in the world. Mike, you and I talked about that. Sure. After the FedEx okay. Cup. sure um, and then Rahm and Rory. I mean, Tyrrell Hatton has, has had a great year. I think what's happened is, Mike, and this is another reason I think the year's going to win. I think Luke Donald, after the Heinrich Stenson debacle, really rallied these guys and said, you know, we have a chance to put Europe and our countries on the map again. We have a chance to, to kind of build our sport better in Europe. And I think he challenged these guys. I think he said that you guys need to play better. You know, we did not play well at Whistling Straits. And I think Donald put them on notice. I think he told Tyrrell Hatton and Tommy Fleetwood, I want you guys really focused on the Ryder Cup. And guess what? These guys will tell you almost to a man, this has been circled on their calendars since they got their butts whooped uh, in Whistling Straits in 2021. I just think that they are completely focused on this. And I think they're going to have a golf course that is going to be set up to their liking. And I just think it's going to be really difficult for the United States you know, to get any traction. I think they have to have a big, the U.S. has to have a big first couple matches Build up a lead early, and then probably hang on for dear life as we get into. But the you singles. don't think really you, don't, you don't think someone like like Brian Harmon against Nikolai Hojgard. Like this is exactly what happens every year. There's a random European name that you don't know, and then no one picks him, and then he kicks your USA's. Well, ass. I'm not. Then then I'm not picking him. I, I'm sorry. Hojgard is a good player. Little Brian Harmon. And he's got a brother named Rasmus who's equally as good. And they may be the staple of the Ryder Cup team with Aberg for the next you know, 12 years. It, it was and a very strategic Ra- pick. But unfortunately, Rasmus is also in the basement with, with <laughs> Matt and Eduardo. <laughs> it's true. He might be. Um, like this, this, like your, your big, your, your man crush, Ludwig Aberg. Like, welcome <laughs> right one. Like let's let's let the hype train die down and see how this kid handles it. I, I to to your point, Mike. To, in fairness to you, I think Aberg's going to struggle. I really do. I think it was too early to pick him. I think they should have picked Moronk. I think it was a mistake, just as big a mistake as I think both captains made a critical mistake. I think Aberg is a fun player. He's not as good as Moronk right now, or at least especially on this golf course that Moronk won this year on. I think that's a better pick, and I think Keegan's a better pick than JT. So I think they both. Both teams have made a mistake with their captain's picks. It kind of cancels each other out. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to say Aberg's going to have a monster event. I do I do think he's capable of being a very intimidating presence for the Europeans. That's all. Justin Rose. Justin Rose. Like, I'm not. Winner, winner at Pebble Steady. Beach. Steady. Yeah, he's, like, he's, he's the senior member. He's played on a bunch of winning Ryder Cup teams. He knows what he's doing. And he's also he, sponsored by Bonobos. So I'm not really concerned <laughs> about Justin Rose. Justin Rose solely 
stayed on the European tour so he could be Ryder Cup eligible. Whereas Stenson, the captain, bolted, and, and Sergio and Paul Casey and Lee Westwood all bolted. Rose said, this is more important to me, this legacy, than the, the Saudi money and live golf. I, I have so much respect for Justin Rose. I, I know he gets made fun of as well he should. You know, his, the Team Rose stuff and, the, and some of his sponsorships are ridiculous. Man, I root for that guy because he, he made, I think, the right decision uh, to pick this event. For many people did not. Shane Lowry? You don't like Shane Lowry? How can you not love Shane Lowry? Yeah, he's fine, also, but I'm not worried about him. Like if I'm if I'm putting teams together, you know, like uh, probably put a guy like Morikawa up against Shane. Like let him let him just have his way with him. No, I like that. You, I think Colin's playing really good golf. I think he could be a dark horse great player for the U.S. By the way, I think yeah. I think the U.S. best players are going to be some of these not big names. I don't think it's going to be Scheffler. You know, I don't think he's going to be the man. Um, I think it might be someone like a like a Brian Harmon or like a, a Morikawa um, who may be our best player, our most steady player. Patrick Cantlay is another one who just seems to be really very good in these, in these competitions, as boring as he might be in stroke play golf. Co- Coach Copeland, you, you seem to dislike that analysis. I just, I just, I think that regardless of the players, the, the U S is already at a major disadvantage. One of not being on home turf. <laughs> And then two of likely going to be out coached. Like you, you, we all know there's going to be a moment where we look at the a lineup or something where we're like, what the heck was Zach Johnson doing? Like that's guaranteed to happen. And so I think just those two pieces, right. And those are, might seem insignificant, but the Ryder cup is usually decided by uh, a point, a uh, half a point, a couple points. And I think that could swing it. I, I just I could totally see the U.S. getting out to an early lead, and then just slowly choking, and slowly just giving it up. But like, talk, like Hayden, you say like home field turn. Or like, I get, I know what that is. But is is Rome really like the like? Oh crap, we got to go to Rome. Like, is that the the heart of the European golf world? Like, as compared to if it was in England or Ireland or Scotland or even Paris or like you're heading into Rome. I feel like, I feel yeah, like the audience is... No, but when in Rome... Um, <laughs> God. Uh, I, I do... <laughs> no, sure. I, I mean, yeah, yes, it's not like the same... Right? There's no... Um, there, there's not any Italian golfers on There's the no Italians. Team, the Molinaries but, are the closest you're getting. They're not bringing yeah. Roca out of mothballs for this. Um, but... It, at the same time, like it's still Europe, right? The fact still remains that the U.S. has not won in Europe in 30 years, right? So, all you know, regardless of if it's in Italy or if it's in Greece or if it's in Scotland, it's you know this is the this is the stat. It's the stat, and remember that stat includes Ryder Cup teams that had Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson on them. You know, I mean, this is. These those teams were strong, you know, really, really good teams, and they still can't win over there. I'm not convinced this team has that. I don't think many of our guys are in form. And Mike, to your point, I do think this is a questionable venue. I, I, I we don't have to talk much about Marco Simone, and that's how they do pronounce it. By the way, it looks like Simone, but it's Simone Simone uh, Golf Club. Gorlami, I think is <laughs> it's, it's how they. It's, uh, <laughs> it, 
it's a very Americanized golf course. It's a Fazio redesign. Um, I'm not a big Fazio fan. I think I told Hayden at dinner tonight, or I told somebody, Fazio courses look really good from an airplane, you know, uh, but when you get on them and play them, it, they're very, very manufactured. Um, and, and that can lead to some very frustrating shots. Uh, lots of little ditches you can't see. They're not natural ground like you might find on a Lynx course. And we don't play many Ryder Cups, or hardly any Ryder Cups on Lynx courses, by the way. Um, I do feel like it's going to feel like familiar golf to Americans. I think this will be as close to an American-like venue. Um, but I think the rough's going to be long. It's going to be very difficult. All that said, it's a strange venue. But I do think the Europeans travel. They have always traveled well. You know, Europe, if you're European, you're used to traveling specifically around the continent. But even to America, they usually draw a pretty good crowd. So I do think it's a little bit of a loss having the venue in Rome. I agree with you, Mike. That's very strange. Um, but I will say I think it's, it's still a huge advantage. All right. I know we're, we're going to wrap things up here in a second. Um, Real quick, Hayden, before we, we let go, what are a couple pairings you want to see? What are some couple matches you really want to see when you turn on the TV, either during a four ball or foursome or specifically a singles match? Is there anything that really sticks out to you? Well, I think one of the things that I I enjoy is the, the matchup that I didn't think was going to work, but actually does work, right? Like, um, you know, I mean, for, so for me, so it's more of a weird, sick kind of, like I'd love this, you know, like uh, full swing contrasted Brooks Kepka and Scotty Scheffler. Like, what if they play together, right? What if yeah. they almost balanced each other out? That like they're just so different that they're almost complementary, right? So I think that would be kind of fun to see. Um, and then for... I have that same note, Hayden. I have the exact same <laughs> note, and they're in the same pod. By the way, you know they're doing the pod system. It looks like Burns and Harmon and Kepka and Scheffler are all in the same pod. So that's a possibility. Oh, yawn. <laughs> Wait, wouldn't it say that pod one more time? Uh, Sam Burns, Brian Harmon, Brooks Kepka, and Scotty Scheffler. It looks like that's going to be a pod. Well, then I, that probably will never happen because I can't imagine they're going to do a lot of pairing Sam Burns and Brian Harmon together. I don't think that's the <laughs> dynamic duo that's going to be yeah. pairing up Marco Simone. But um, I would love to see Kepka and Scheffler together just for the point that you made about the full swing revelation. I think that's yeah. a, a really good point. I, and then the other one I think is I would love, I don't know if this fits or anything, but just two of my favorite players are Fleetwood and Hovland. And so it would just, I would love to see those, those two guys play together. I don't know if they would compliment each other, but I like them both. And I think, it would I be think that'd be, indestru I think that'd be an together. indestructible team. Cause I think personality wise, they're similar. And those are two of the best ball strikers in the world. I mean, I just feel like it'd be so intimidating and watching those guys just hit every fairway and knock every iron to within 15 feet. I mean, mm -hmm. it just so much of it is just proximity to the hole on your approach shots. And these things can put, yeah. put someone and, on, on tilt. Yeah. And lastly, I'd love to see Ludwig play with uh, Mike Nealon out at Nashville golf. That's really just kind of the, the last one. I think that Mike could show him a lot about how to, how to really play a course like a grown man does. Um, that's, that's right. That's my last one. I love it. Texas Tech anymore, baby. <laughs> um, hey, before, I know you have to go. You have a big uh, – your, your golf team is competing in the district tournament tomorrow. You need to get in bed. But before you take off and before Mike and I wrap this thing up, give us uh, your pick for the 2023 Ryder Cup and what you think the point total will be. Remember, there's 28 total points available. Oh. What do you think the, the winning team oh. is and what do you think their point total is? Oh, I'm not a great uh, – I, I don't know if I can give you the point total, but I, I'm going Team Euro. Uh, I think I think it'll be close, but like I said, I think it's going to be U.S. gets off to an early lead and they just slowly let it slip away. 
Um, and so that's that's where where I think it's happening. Team Euro. So you think Europe close by a point? Europe close. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Point. All right, Coach. Well, good luck uh, tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you next week when we recap this thing. Uh, Mike and I will finish this up. Ole, 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 ole. Mike, right. same question to you. See, 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 see ya. Bye, Hayden. Mike. Same question to you. What What are the matchups, either Americans versus Europeans, or you know, teams that you'd like to see put together um, going into this week? Yeah. So it's not going to be productive for the cause, the teams I want to see in terms of winning. But like Kepka with JT would be fantastic because if JT starts slipping. <laughs> Kepka's not going to keep his mouth shut, and those those interviews are going to just be electric. I would love to see that, right? And I'd love to see Speed have to figure it out with someone else. Uh, like I get that the, there's chemistry, but at the same time, it's like guys, you you're adults. Like go play the game with you know someone else, not necessarily like a, an arch enemy. You're not trying to pair like Bryson and Brooks like they rumored last time, but like. I think sometimes it puts you in a tough spot, right? Because it's like, all right, Spieth is playing a decent golf, better than JT, but it's like, well, it's almost like there's this unwritten rule. we got to put them together. And it's like, well, that yeah. might not necessarily be what's best for the team here. Like, you're putting, you know, do you do you put JT with someone like, you know, Sam Burns or Brian Harmon, right, where you don't have money, you don't have much expectations for them, right? Like, we're okay. These are kind of our sacrificial lambs. If they perform, great. If they don't, we didn't count on it. And you stack your other teams. I mean, that's I'm sure that that theory's been tested in the past and probably hasn't worked out well, or maybe it has, I'm not sure. But I think there's something to be said for getting these guys, like like you said earlier, it's better for the team. And um, you know, I'd love to see there, you know, some fireworks around that. Obviously, you're not gonna put Brooks with Cantley, like that would be a disaster. And him and yeah. Xander, as much as I just said, I don't like teams that work, they work together well. And I think yeah, it's rare. I agree. So let them go. Um but yeah, I think like, and then you look at Team Europe, and I don't know, man. Like, man, you got like, like Rory. Does he just naturally pair with like Shane Lowry? Is that just a comfort thing for him? Yeah, I think it's a comfort zone pairing for them for sure. Who who do you put, um, you know, John Rom with? I don't think he necessarily fits with like, um, you know, Fleetwood or um, Hovland. Like, I think Rom. I think. I think Rom and, and, and Aberg, if they pair Aberg with anybody, it's going to be with Rom. I, but, I think, you know. All right, but then you're kind of asking Rom, like, I, I don't know. And again, I don't know about Aberg's game or his history, but, like, that's almost like kind of giving Rom some responsibility. Like, hey, make sure this kid, you know, gets it done. Um, I'd love to see, like, Rom and, and Hatton together. Like, that is a combustible team. Like, those yeah. guys could be just losing their minds that things aren't going their way, which would be great. I agree. And, and historically speaking, the Europeans – typically play tighter groups they, they don't put the rookies out much you know most of the there's be so like robert mcintyre sep straka um hodegaard, hodegaard these rookies they probably will only see one match before the singles i don't think they'll play more than one match so you're going to see a, a dose of rom and rory whereas all the americans will at least play two matches before singles at least um and i think you're right the americans pair up pretty logically xander and cantlay JT and Spieth, that seems like a, a, a lock. Homo Morikawa with the Cal connection seem like a lock. Um, Scheffler and Burns, who are best friends, seems like a lock. And so that kind of puts what, Clark and Fowler together or, or Harmon and Kepka together. I think those 
those pairings are more natural. And I agree that there's some pairings that aren't great for the American side. Whereas I think the Europeans are probably far more flexible and you're going to see the same, same pairings roll out. I think you're going to see Rory and Lowry roll out. Um, I do think Fleetwood will probably pair with, with Hovland or Hatton. Um, you know, I think those would be great teams, you know, Fitzy. Well, you, don't, and, you, don't, uh, you don't hear a lot about, and again, we're sitting here in the U S right. But you don't hear a lot about the personality matching on the European team. You don't hear like, well, Rory has to play with so-and-so or Rom always. It's now granted they've had more turnover in the team, but like at the end of the day, it feels like they're comfortable going out and playing their game, no matter who they're paired with. Yeah. And I think the Americans are more sensitive to it. And that was the whole point. And, you know, at, uh, at, at Paris is Patrick Reed was just, he went full, you know, full crybaby because he didn't get paired with Jordan. And he, he basically said, you know, uh, they put me with Tiger and then they sat me for a match. And I don't know why they did that and kind of called Tiger out for not playing well. Like that's kind of the American response when they don't get their buddy, buddy pairings. I just think that is what works against us in these team competitions is you're right. These Europeans are like, Hey, Rory, you're going to take Holgard out there today. And you guys are going to go, you know, boat race, Spieth and, and Thomas. And you know what? They love it. Whereas if you were to tell, like you said, hey, Patrick, you and Brooks are going to go play together. Or when we, the disastrous, you know, time that we paired Tiger and, and Phil together, it's like we're just so individualistic. I think it it really hurts us if we don't get it just right. Yeah, it's, I still think the U.S. wins, but, and I listen, I, I was a big Captain America, Pat P. Reed guy when like, you you can say what you want about him, but he brought, a lot of fire to that, to that, you know, oh, man, I agree. Like, you know, and when he and Rory did the back and forth, I mean, it was just so great for golf. Um, and it is something, you know, as much as he's, you can dislike him, he loves the Ryder cup. And I, I don't get the sense from a lot of these Americans. I think guys like, like Homer are really excited to be on the team, but that they love, you know, the fire, like, you know, I think Spieth loves it. You know, I think he loves being in the fire. I think JT loves being in the fire. I do think there's a chance he performs well. Um, but it seems like the Europeans are, are more built for the fire than the Americans are. I hope I'm wrong. I'm going to root for the Americans. Um, I would love to, when we get to singles, I want to roll a couple, I, I, you know, ideas behind you, by you. And I want you to tell me if you like these. How would you feel if Rory and Brooks faced off in singles, you know, with the cup on the line? You know, the Who guy the who's most outspoken against Liv. Yeah, like it's, it's they're the, they're the, you know, the anchor match, it's going to come down to them. You got Rory and Brooks. Is That's my dream scenario. Rory who hates Liv. Brooks is the one Liv guy who's there. That would really be some kind of spectacle. Yeah, but it seems like even that's like burned off. Like I can't remember specifically what the quote was or the engagement or interaction, but it was like, like Rory recognized Brooks and Brooks recognized Rory in some way that was amicable. And like yeah. to me, that's the, that's the disconnect, right? Not disconnect, but like – as Americans and actually the Europeans I know want this too is like we want them to hate each other right like we want yeah. these things to yeah. be knocked down drag them out screw you f you like it's me or you buddy and the problem is I think like realistically these people all like probably are linking up you know dapping each other up sharing yeah. wine later in the night right and it's right. it's like man I would love nothing more than Kepka and Rory to be a thing but I don't think it is like I think those guys are like walking down the fairway eating peanut butter sandwiches talking about like <laughs> how they are spending their money and, and and we're never like and that goes to all sports right like it's not like it was back in the the you know the 60s 70s 80s where it was like the Celtics 
hated the Lakers and the Lakers hated the Celtics. These guys didn't get along right now. These players, like they all play in junior circuits together. They've known each other their whole lives. Um, it, 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 it's almost like we want to manufacture the drama and yeah, because I want it to be there at the end of the day, I think it just ends up being a really fun tournament to watch, but I think it, you know, they shake hands and, and, you know, see you next season, man. Well, I, I think you're right. And I hope you're wrong. You know, that's how I feel. I think you're probably right. I think these guys are image conscious. I think they, they don't want to cut off their nose despite their face. We're not going to see the Azinger Ballesteros, you know, basically two guys ready to fist fight. Um, I think those days are gone. I do hope we can, if not get, you know, animosity, I hope we can get a really healthy rivalry, you know, going um, because I do think it's important. The Americans can win on European soil. And I think if they do that, it's going to really boost this rivalry because the Ryder cup could, like you said, it could fall into being way too corporate, way too buddy, buddy. And we're going to lose kind of what made it so special. It's going to, it's become a, a rich man's president's cup, you know, and that's, that's not what anybody really wants. Well, um, I hate to say this, but I think the best thing that could happen for Team USA and best thing that could happen for this Ryder Cup moving forward is they get absolutely smoked, right? Because I think now more than ever, the eyes, you know, they're this this 30 year streak, like that's the narrative. And if they go over there and get waxed, like I would, I think it's a very compelling next two years leading up to that's not going to happen again. It's no longer the good old boys club. Let's ruffle the feathers. Right. Let's put the best golfers in there and see how that and, plays and you, out. That's exactly what happened in 2014. You know, when Phil, when we got, you know, slaughtered at Glen Eagles and Phil Mickelson came out and called out Tom Watson and said, this isn't working. Um, and you turn around and, you know, we kind of re, Paul Isinger kind of retrofitted this whole pod system. And we went out and won, I think it was a Hazel team the next year. And then of course we came back to Europe and, you know, Jim Furyk loses, uh, you know, there. And, and now there's a whole bunch of different, you know, criticisms coming out of Paris. And then we boat, Steve Stricker boat racism at Whistling Straits. Um, I do think you're probably right. They're, they're one more butt kicking away from making some big changes and, and looking at American golf in a different way. All right. Time's running short, Mike. Any gambling advice? Uh, you, you threw out a couple numbers that you like for points. Anybody that you're staring at that kind of tickles your fancy when it comes to a dab of this or a dab of that? I got a couple bets I want to tell you about. Um, but what do you think? Well, I'm sprinkling the bottom of that field, right? I said Harmon was 65. Um, like there were some other big names down there too. Your boy Aberg is, is like right in the top 10. Let me bring him up. Um, 16 to one, right? So, I mean, yeah. just looking at Aberg is, is though he's going to score more points than Morikawa, JT, Ricky, Max. Rose, Lowry, Wyndham. Like, all right, I like Wyndham Clark at 28 to 1. You know, spring. I like that too. And those are all bets that are the highest point getter, right? So yeah. um, a lot of it depends on how many chances, you know, how many how many times are they gonna roll Aberg out? How many times are they gonna roll right. Wyndham Clark out? So, you know, you because you know overall, Rom's gonna get all the matches, Scheffler's gonna get all the matches, Roy's gonna get all the matches. Overall, um, though, I'm putting my money on Team USA to win this thing. Okay. And I like them winning it. You know, to the tune of like eighteen to ten. I don't Ooh. think I don't think it's necessarily going to be close. Okay, I'm writing it down right here. Mike is called the U.S. eighteen to ten. Uh, it would wouldn't be an upset, but the score would be an upset. That'd be a massive uh, victory on foreign soil. Um, I'm not saying it's not possible, Mike. I, I I tried to outline the reasons I think Europe is going to be better. I think you know they have a more well-rounded team. I feel like they have a distinctive advantage 
home course. I don't think the American team is as strong as it has been in the past and certainly not as informed as some of the European players. But as Hayden pointed out earlier, you can all think that one week it might change. We might get it together this week. So I'm going to take well, Europe in a close, I in a close one. Yeah. If Europe does get waxed, do you see them in two years looking and letting live players back in, assuming some of those live players are, are playing well? So I don't think they're going to have to let them in, Mike. I think this thing is going to play out to where there's this net, this, I don't call it a merger, obviously, but this cooperative between live and world golf is going to fix itself probably for better or for worse. And I do think you're going to see those, those defectors come back. I don't know if any of them will make a difference. You know, does the Sergio make a difference anymore? Does Casey, does Westwood, Poulter, those guys all seem to be a little past their prime. I think the heart of the team is these younger guys, the Abergs, the Hojgaards, who also won on this golf course, by the way, a couple of years ago. Um, I think these are the future of the, of the European Ryder Cup team. I have more concerns about the future of the American team than anything else. But um, that said, I think, I think Europe wins. Uh, I think it comes down to the singles. I think they win by a couple points, 15 and a half, 13 and a half. I'll be cheering um, for the United States. I'll be up watching. Are you going to be watching a little bit? You have a chance to get up before you go to work and take a look at this? Um, I'm going to be watching. This is like the open. I'll find, I'll find a way to do it. You got to find a way to do it. I know you got a little kid. I know you got a sick dog. I know you got a wife. All these things are, are challenges. Um, but I look forward to speaking to you next week about um, who's right and who's wrong here. One of us is going to be right. One of us is going to be wrong. Uh, I hope you're right. Uh, I don't expect you will be. That said, man, thanks for joining us. We'll do it next week. Any parting words? Go USA. Go USA. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll catch up next week when we recap the 2023 Ryder Cup. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the E9 podcast, a production of Free Drop Media.